0: and gentlemen welcome to the evening jones i made a trip this weekend to oakdale louisiana uh my uncle Wilbur, everybody's favorite uncle in the family passed away if you went to southern university there's a very good chance that you know my uncle Wilbur because he worked there forever and just one of those people that everybody knew um it was interesting on a number of levels i don't know how much like funeral talking i feel like doing but uh one thing about like doing the funeral stuff is you learn things that you didn't know necessarily. Now, some of you who are from Louisiana may know some things about Oakdale. It's a very interesting town, but like it is a rural southern town, but it's not an agriculture town. It's an old sawmill town. So, you know, it go a little bit hard. So I was talking to my Uncle Frank and uh we were at a house and he was explaining to me that he wasn't very familiar with this part of oakdale because they didn't go over there when he was growing up and i'll be honest with you oakdale don't never feel big enough that there was some kind of part of town that you just didn't go to but whatever right and he says um yeah we ain't really come over here because he said they was over there shooting and i was like oh oh okay you know some things never change right all right cool but He then begins to talk about Oakdale, and he mentions that, you know, up through the 1920s, that while there was certainly a measure of, like, the domestic terrorism that, you know, is hallmark to the South, and white people were certainly, like, doing harm to black people and perhaps killing some of them, but the black people were killing them right back. (laughs) Like... It was a little bit more of a, uh, shall we say, give and take than any of us would expect from an apartheid state. But it was. And I was like, oh, this explains a lot to me about a lot of things and about a lot of people. Um I just want you to keep that in mind as we go through this and probably uh, get to the stories that you want to get to. I probably should have saved this for the second part because I'm going to start on this one. Um, I think I talked the last time that I came on here a little bit about like, you know, my whole little employment situation and what it was or what it wasn't. And again, I think I mentioned the last time I was on here how infuriating it is to hear all these things because like, with all due respect, and I don't blame anybody for this. You don't actually know anything about what you're talking about. Hell, the people that get paid to talk about this business ain't really got no idea or understanding like exactly what it is that they're talking about. What I will say, at least in the ways that it relates to this here podcast, is that when I started um, full-time at ESPN in 2013, I wanted a provision to protect the Evening Jones. And their condition for that was that I could not talk about sports, which I was always cool with. And it made sense by the way, right? Like if I was going to talk about sports, I should talk about sports um, on their platform. Like I thought that was perfectly reasonable. Um, and I also thought it worked out well for me because it allowed me to kind of differentiate this and this be people, you know, you knew that this was going to be something different. Now, I don't have that contract anymore because I don't work there anymore. But... I'll probably still lean pretty tough toward like non-sports over here because I just kind of like it being non-sports over here. Now, you may be asking the question, for those of you who are concerned with such things, what about the right time? Okay. I think I tried to say this the last time, but I'll give it to you now as it is. Okay. Whenever I find a new place to do business for the podcast, it will come back. I personally don't know myself when I feel like coming back. You guys know how I can be about that. And I'll be honest with you, I stacked up this bread so that I didn't have to go back to work until I felt like it or whatever it happens to be. You know, like that's, I mean, that's the thing for me. So I can't tell you exactly when it's going to come back. At some point, it's going to come back. But this is something that I think is very important for most of you people who are listening. And this is a point that I want to make out loud because I think that people need to hear this. Okay. It is a podcast. Okay? It does not matter to any of you where I take that podcast. Wherever I take it, they're going to upload it to the internet and you're going to be able to listen to it if you so choose, right? You are welcome to offer any measure of speculation you may want about where it ultimately winds up. You certainly can. I just have no idea why you would care. Like, seriously, why would you care? And again, I get this because, and it's something I think I've talked about before, I find it very strange that people talk about the folks who work in my position, really at the company that I used to work for, that people are so concerned with the personnel machinations of that place, but I also recognize that this is how we talk about everybody else in our business. Therefore, it stands to reason that people are then going to come back on the other side and talk about us in the same way. But... I have seen so many people with all these places that they want me to wind up and don't none of it make a goddamn lick of sense to me because wherever it goes, it's going to be the right time with Bomani Jones. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be any difference. If I decided that I wanted to run that podcast myself, right, just do the files with lamps, upload them, right? We wouldn't have like a sophisticated video operation of any sort or anything, but let's just say we're talking about just about the podcast itself. I can get the mic, well, hopefully get the mic better than that shit was a little minute, you know, a couple minutes ago. We get the mics up. I can do that podcast. We can patch that thing together. You can throw it up. Most of y'all will have absolutely no idea what who I work for. None. You know, like that's the thing about a podcast that becomes very, very interesting is that I have likened it to like being on a record label. Like, if I was on one record label and I stopped and I went to another record label, unless it's, like, the 90s and record labels are actually crews and that means I got, like, a new set of dudes on my posse cut. Dude, nobody cares. Like, I see somebody in the chat room threw out Uninterrupted. I'm not saying anything bad about Uninterrupted. What I am saying, though, is why would you care? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I sincerely don't understand that and that goes beyond me. So... I get it if you're talking about like television or something like that, because that's about something bigger and the infrastructure means something different, right? But in terms of like podcast operations, unless you work in this, I don't really see no reason why you know any difference between one or the other. They're like big major brands that you know from beyond podcasting. But I mean, how many of them are actually the ones that have the more successful podcasts that do the best stuff in terms of audience growth and things like that? You know what I mean? So if you like listening to my podcast... It will come back and you will be able to hear it, right? I would just tell you not to worry about where because I really don't think it's going to affect you a single bit. Now, maybe you're just a little bit nosy, you know what I'm saying? You're just a little bit busy. That's what you'll get down is. I understand that. We all got some measure of that. I will always, however, just be consistently blown away by the fact that anybody cares about that. I don't see people talk about how much money I make with no idea how much money I make or how much money I was making or how much money I done made. All of these things, it is wild. And the reason that I think is wild to me is that, like at least with sports and all that stuff, there are people that like really get into the weeds and cover how all the stuff works. Nobody does that with us. And by the way, I don't think they should because I can't understand why anybody cares. Yet somehow, everybody thinks they know. And nah, you don't. And it's cool. And there's nothing wrong with the fact that you don't know. Right? But really, don't worry. Don't worry. At some point, it'll be back. If you think about television, I'm honestly not thinking about television at all. Personally. If you read any interview that I've done over the last year and change or whatever about doing television, you can go see what I've been saying for a very, very long time about how I felt about that. You know, we got some stuff going, though. Cool stuff. Anyway, let us move on to your questions. Okay, just thinking all the way to the top. Do you find it refreshing that we got a good old-fashioned brawl that did not involve gun violence let's uh, let's put a pin in uh, that point and just get to like what the general reason is that we hear which is y'all want to talk about what, went, what going on in Montgomery now I started that off talk about Oakdale because those of you who are not from the south kind of need to understand something okay and this is very very important Now, yes, we as black people have been treated particularly poorly in the South by the white power structure. There is no disputing this. Um, Terms like apartheid state, as we've talked about before, make perfect sense. We got all kinds of other things we can talk about in that regard, right? Okay. But this is something that people need to understand. And I don't think they get this. Like, my daddy would even talk about this going on when he was in the army, okay? Even in the face of all these races, right? All of this that we got to deal with, all right? Even in the face of that, even in some of the worst of times, a good old-fashioned us-versus-them brawl, those happened. Like, it ain't never really been no situation where you watching, like, five white dudes stomp out one black dude in the South and everybody just going to watch it. I mean, if they got badges, we probably talk about something different. But like us, like we we all just going to scrap it out. That happens. That happens. One time though, my daddy did tell a story about one of the race fights in the army. Keep in mind, my daddy went to the army. I want to say in the year 1954, or 1955, somewhere in there. But anyway, my daddy uh, said that they used to get into what he called like race fights in the barracks but you know when that would go down there'd be some more like liberal type white dudes and they would fight on the black dude's side right and he said they they scrapping it out one time and he said one of the one of the the, the racist white dudes is like yo he's got a knife and the liberal white dudes hey, you just you just say that or whatever and was like but he did have a knife you know sometimes that happens speaking of which quick little funeral story one of my cousins i'm not gonna say his name i could say his name because honestly i don't think he would mind me saying this because some people advertise um long story on something that happened during the funeral um but i became acquainted with a couple people who were helping out and they were being very very kind i thank them very much for the help they gave me during the funeral and i'm standing outside the church before we go ahead to the graveyard and this woman looked like she needed to get my attention. I'm like, you need me? She said, I need one of y'all. I'm like, what's going on? And she held up something in her hand and was like, somebody dropped this. And it was a pocket knife. And so my cousin was like, oh, yeah, that's my knife. And he went up to go get the knife. And the woman raised a very reasonable question to him, which was, you brought a knife into the house of God? And he responded to her with something that I'm sure that he believed to be just as reasonable a response. Ma'am, I brought my gun into the house of God. Anyway, back to Montgomery. I need to start with something very important about whatever it is that I have to say about what went on in Montgomery. And I'll be keeping a closer eye on the chat room while I talk about this than I ordinarily do. And the reason that I'm going to do that Is very simple. Chances are I didn't see your favorite part. And I am saying the chances are I did not see your favorite part because what is your favorite part is entirely determined by which angle or angles of varying length of this fight in Montgomery you happen to see okay because this is perhaps the best documented event in the history of the united states i don't know if anything has been recorded by more people for more angles than this fight was, and so you see one of them, and it go like two minutes or whatever, and you think you saw the good part, but you didn't. I logged on this morning because I had dropped it in a group chat that I got with uh Spencer and Joe, and what I had put in there, Spencer hadn't seen the link I sent him had a part that he hadn't seen. And that's when I realized, oh, there are other parts. So I get up this morning. Honestly, I got up this morning. And like I said, I don't check the public timeline on Twitter, but I check my mentions. And I'm looking over there and I see Michael B. Phelps trending. And I can't understand why. Then I'm like, oh, they talk about the swimming dude. So then I clicked on that. And I see all these different angles. I see all these different videos. One of them was seven minutes long. And it still didn't have everything. It still didn't have everything, right? And so what was most interesting to me about the seven-minute video was this. The seven-minute video starts well before there is any hint of violence, all right? So I want you to stop and think about this for a second. All of you that saw a video or a clip of this and it started with the dude untying the boat and with the arguing, you realize that means that somebody who did not know what was about to happen had already started recording video just in case. Just in case. Cause see, we only see it as the finished product, right? Like, normally when you see a video of somebody like, something like that, somebody got the camera set up because it's supposed to be a camera. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's what they, no, 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 no. Somebody was just out there and they saw it. And I guess they had it in their, in their mind or something or whatever it was. Okay. But they was ready for it. And so you watched the whole thing play out and the dude had parked his boat somewhere where he wasn't supposed to park the boat. So the Marriott boat couldn't get to the dock. And honestly, that's the only option the security man got because if it comes down to the security guard having an argument with these white folks in his boat or having an argument with the white man that's the manager of the hotel I'm assuming I think it was the Marriott right he gonna have to argue with these civilians because they can't fire him they might can whoop his ass but they can't fire him so you know he untied their boat all right and now things are going. now one thing that I don't think I mean, honestly, I have not worked that hard to find out everything that everybody is saying. So maybe everybody's saying these things. But in the conversations that I've had with my friends, at least because I don't know again what videos it was that they happened to watch. But in a couple of the videos that I watched, what I heard was a lot of the noted African-American art of uh, instigating. It was a lot of instigating. And what's so wild about all the instigating is the instigating was taking place so far away from the actual event that the instigators could not be heard. But I know y'all heard them videos where all those people instigating. Oh, there you go. Oh, there. there was a whole bunch of that instigating. Yes, the move, bitch, get out the way, Chad, right? Like, the instigation has begun. It is right there. Because one thing about my people is this. If a fight might start and you have nothing to lose from that fight taking place, instigation will ensue an instigation took place. And so the white man get into it with the security man. And I would like to note, by the way, the white man was wrong. However, you have just sent my boat adrift. I'm not going to pretend like I don't understand why he had a beef, even if he was wrong in the first place, right? But anyway, so now he goes, he gets into it with the security guard. It's happening. He doing it. Okay. They having that back and forth. And then comes the part that I believe requires some real journalism. Somebody needs to hit the street and get the answer for this. Because we all saw this happen. Okay. We were all there. Buddy had his hat on, and then it's looking like the fight's about to actually take place. And then, very dramatically, he took that hat, he took it off, and he threw it straight in the air. At which point, that white man stole on him, and they began to stomp his black ass out. Okay. Like it was it was a bit of one-on-one at first. And to be fair, most of the early, the first responders, not the like actual on the payroll first responders, but the first responders in the most literal sense. The first responders were peacekeepers. They were trying to keep things chill at first, right? And was, but then the white dudes came and jumped them, and they've all everybody pushed the white dudes off, and then the white dudes got on their boat. And then next thing you know, there's some white person in Alabama who would say, it must look like they said it was free watermelon. Because a horde of blacks turned up. Okay? Now, in I guess like the seven minute version of the video that I saw, they came by land. It was just a bunch of them. The fight was actually over. The security guard was as safe as he was about to be. The white dudes got back on the boat. The blacks came to the boat too. I don't know if one of them had, had a couple of bottles in his finger. Warriors. The regulators had mounted up, and it was a bunch of them. A bunch of them ready to go. Meanwhile, at the same time, and this was the first video that I had seen that somebody sent to me, this dude that worked there, 16 years old, jumped in the water and started swimming. And you know he had to be 16 years old because ain't no way in the world that I'm swimming that far, getting out and still having the energy to fight. There's no chance. There's no chance whatsoever that I would have the capacity to do that. Anyway, I mentioned the dude throwing the hat in the air, but I don't think like that was clearly the signal. OK, the hat in the air was clearly the signal. What I can't tell, though, for whom was it the signal? Was it the signal for all the people who worked there? Or was it a signal for all the black people? Like in Montgomery, is it a like wink and a nod thing that they all got? That just in case the white folks get out of line. If one of us throw our hat up in the air. We all come in to fight. Like is that what it is? I don't know. But that hat toss clearly was a signal to somebody that it was on and popping. And them dudes showed up. And I can't even get into like all the fisticuff stuff that I saw. But yo, right before I got on. I saw a video that I hadn't seen. Spencer had it on his page. And it was under the tweet, Actual wrestling Moves. One of them brothers rock bottomed a dude. Straight up brought him up rock bottomed him. But in that same video, some big worm looking motherfucker was squared up on some dude and he threw a punch that sent that dude all the way across like all like he sent him out the shot and it wasn't like he hit him with the punch it was almost like it was like a super extended shove and he sent him all the way out the camera shot and then once he gets out the camera shot big worm starts stomping on somebody like wrestling somebody said that was the swimmer ain't no way that was the swimmer i'm just telling it couldn't have been the swimmer that was the swimmer there's no way Oh, the rock bottom was the swimmer. Okay. Okay. So the rock bottom was the swimmer. Gotcha. Big Worm is an entirely different person. Sorry, guys. Looking at the chat room. We was talking about two different things. Okay. So all this is going on. And I'm not going in like a full-on sequential order because I've not been in a position to put all these clips together to figure out everything that happened, what, when, where, or anything else. But uh I have a question. And to me, this is probably the most like I hope I don't sound regressive with what I have to say. But there were young ladies who joined the Fisticuffs. And I understand how I might sound with what I'm about to say. But I think you'll agree with me. And I'm asking this of the young ladies who joined the Fisticuffs. Don't you have somewhere to be looking cute? Because I'm going to tell you something. If they start scrapping it out like that and I'm around, I'm going to go find me somewhere to be looking cute. Like that's what I'm looking for. So I'm not saying that all y'all here for is looking cute. But this would be a fantastic time to let the patriarchy work for you. Instead, there were ladies involved in the fisticuffs. I am guessing and I could be wrong that it was the Caucasian ladies who joined the fisticuffs first. And the reason I believe that it was the Caucasian ladies who joined the fisticuffs first it's because I saw one of those ladies get stomped out by two black women in a way that she did not see coming. Like, I assure you, that Caucasian lady had seen those black women coming up. She wouldn't have gotten involved in the melee. She would have had no parts of the Brook. Nope. Wouldn't have been there. Instead, she got stomped out. And I mean literally stomped out. Some girl was out there in her white pantsuit that I assure you she had been waiting to wear on that boat ride and stomped her out. And that lady is sitting there trying to get a hold of herself. Meanwhile, a few paces this way, Some dude done got a hold of a chair. Now, remember when I said Spencer had said actual wrestling moves and the dude had done the rock bottom? I called my man Jay Long today. And I had a question for him. And I kind of got this same question for y'all i have seen people swing chairs before i have seen people throw chairs before shout out to the boom dogs but i don't recall having seen anybody swing a folding chair except in a wrestling okay now not all of you grew up watching wrestling. A lot of us did. Especially if you was a young boy. You can relate to this. We have all acted out some wrestling. And that's when you realize that wrestling is fake. Because that stuff be hard to do. Okay? But it was so very clear that people were channeling what they saw on wrestling. Because this dude had to fold a chair and he was going to work. Now, this is a part here where I understand that black people are really caught up in the idea of our racial solidarity in this time of trouble. There's something to that. However, we need to take blame where blame is ours and give credit where it is deserved. That black dude was swinging that chair. Okay. He hit this one white man who had already had his eyes gouged. He hit that white man no fewer than three times in the head with a folding chair and that white man did not go down. Okay? He did not go down. You gotta give that man some props on that one. Like that, that's that's that that ain't all of us. Not everybody could do that, right? Give him his props. But again, if you are channeling your inner wrestling, one of the things that you can very easily forget is that wrestling is fake. And I guess after you've hit this white man in the head with the chair three times and he did not go down, maybe you're like, hey. This chair ain't, you know, doing the damage that I think it is. So hey, why not hit this white woman who isn't bothering anybody and is just sitting down trying to get her wits about her because she already just got her ass whooped. How about I hit her over the head and baby, that's what he learned. No, no, no. That white man over there was just tough. This chair is the real deal. And they had no choice, man. Cops is out there just by and large, like, hey, just keep it clean. Keep it clean. You know what I'm saying? Just keep it clean. Man, they had to put his ass down and arrest him after that one. That was preposterous. What are you doing? Like, everybody keeps talking about this man swinging a chair like, ha, ha, ha. That was one of the most absurd things I have ever seen. Nothing, including the actions of the original white people doing the jumping, nothing was as egregious as hitting that woman over the head with that chair. Nothing at all. That man is going to do time. Time, I tell you. Time for that one. So yeah, man, we had chairs. We had women out there. And something else I want to point out, and I think that this is a very important distinction to make, and what makes this kind of extra wild too. From what I can tell, y'all can tell me I'm wrong here, but from what I can tell, that wasn't really, like, no hood crowd. You know what I mean? Like, like you look at who those people were that was out there fighting. Like, the the, the the that wasn't really the streets. Like, the streets ain't really showing up for the boat ride. That ain't, no, 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 no. Like, those are, like, I saw the one video, with this, I think it was the seven-minute video, where the woman was talking about what happened. And you know what that woman had? You know what she had? Braces. Braces. How many of y'all in this chat room didn't get braces because your mama couldn't afford? them? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and they was ready. And the people that worked there, maybe they had just had a talk already. They, they, They just always knew, man. One of these days we are gonna have to scrap it out with some of these white folks, man. They come out here a little bit too crazy, and they was all prepared, and they had no shirts on. I mean, they was out there, dog. They was grown and sexy, whooping ass, and I, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, all cause those other white folks came over there and didn't even have to. That was it. That was it. Somebody in the chat room talk about the element. This is what we're saying. They're not the element. They're not the element. Now, the question originated, and it was asked, do you find it refreshing that we got good old-fashioned brawl that didn't involve gun violence? (sighs) This is the part where I have to throw cold water on everything. Okay? Running up on the white folks is really stupid. Really stupid. Somebody really could have been holding that heat. Like, something that gets lost about this, them going back to their to boat is not different than them going back to their cars. You know what I mean? And if you saw some people scrapping it out and they was going back to their cars, you would not chase them. Like, it's really good that this all turned out to be an entertaining brouhaha. You know, a Pier 6 that we could all enjoy. But that could have been bad news, man. That could have been real, real, real bad news. So... I'm glad it worked out fun though. I just can't believe everything that happened with all of that. Did y'all see the statement from that one white man who wanna make sure everybody knew that uh he he went away as soon as he saw what was going down. And yes, Kevin, it is a literal fear six. A literal fear six. But I'm glad we get enjoyed. I ain't gonna lie. I saw Nicole Hannah Jones and put the post up about the history of racial violence in Montgomery. Man, man, ain't nobody trying to go to school right now. I'm, I'm always down to go to school with Nicole by and large, man. I be learning a lot from her. Ain't nobody trying to learn right now. What are you talking about? This this ain't intersectional. This ain't this, this ain't that, this ain't none of that. All it is that y'all need to know is there has not been a time in this history where we was just gonna watch a bunch of y'all do this like not unless I know you the boss you just a white man that rolled up in a boat I you know mean white men I done seen in a boat you ain't just gonna roll up on all of us no 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 they went for it boy they went for it And now Montgomery police gonna have to run through arrest everybody because they making them look bad um but yeah they just they, they they as long as you kept it clean you was good Appreciate the question. See what else we got here. Why are black people the only group expected to take the high road with everything? We say one thing about another group, and it's over. While others and our can talk bad about blacks and thrive, we gotta take the high road because they're afraid of what's gonna happen today. That we stop. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. It's really not that much more complex than that. Am I crazy for seeing the similarity in the type of progressivism in the Lizzo article you shared and the Barbie movie? I haven't seen the Barbie movie, but I shared this article in the Daily Beast that was about Lizzo, and it was after this lawsuit had come out. And it was this writer talking about like how disappointed many people were that Lizzo did not prove to be the progressive icon that they thought she was, and honestly that she purported herself to be. And then the guy raises the question, well, if you listen to her music, why do you think that she was that progressive in the first place? But it really comes back to this fundamental idea of being like disappointed to find out that your favorite artists don't share your politics. And I grew up listening to a bunch of wackos. I don't think I expected any more of them than than being wackos. Like, I have never needed that much from my favorite artists like there's levels obviously that I that you can't cross and that are like utterly problematic but and I do wonder with like some of the old school cats that I like who have problematic histories like James Brown and Marvin Gaye whatever if this stuff was happening and I was in the moment and it was contemporary how would I approach it I think that that's a fair question it's easy for me to be like hey I ain't discounting this person that you know been dead for 25 years or whatever it is but I don't have any expectation that like I don't need that I actually find it largely to be, like, pandering. Like, even Public Enemy, I don't agree with everything that's on those records. You know? Like, there's a bunch of stuff you can go back to and be like, I don't know about that, dog. Like, I just don't expect that. Now, that Lizzo lawsuit is bananas. Like, there's, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's coming from it, but I do find it very interesting. Still, this idea, you're just setting yourself up for heartbreak. You know? Like, Nobody's ever going to be able to live up to this. But I think that this is a consistent thing across the board. That like this expectation that everybody is going to share your politics. And that it basically be a requirement. You ain't going to get that far like that. Like that's just not, that is not a sustainable way to go through life. Like I can just tell you this now as a person that's, you know, I guess middle-aged would be the term. That's not a sustainable way to go through life. You're not going to be able to win like that. Trust me. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Is Carly Russell the biggest winner in the Montgomery Brawl? No, 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 no. And correct me if I'm wrong. You know, you guys can let me know. But Carly Russell—that's that's a that's, uh, little mama who uh, pretended to be kidnapped. And she wasn't, or whatever it is, all that stuff. Okay. She could have been the biggest winner of the Montgomery Brawl, but quite honestly, I had already forgot about that, and I bet that most people out here had already forgot about that too. Right? Clearly and obviously, the biggest winner was Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox, who got dropped by the right hook in the jaw. Der rot in a way that brought shame upon the entire state of Alabama. Okay? Whole city Montgomery had to take it up take up the mantle. Whole city had to do that. Right? They're the ones that made it safe for Tim Anderson to come back home. Right? Like, that 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 changed everything up. No, 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 no. He is without question the biggest winner of that whole thing. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. How are you doing with everything going on in the industry? That is a very interesting question to ask given my particular situation. I mean, how am I doing? I'm cool. Like... I think so let me just put it to you this way and I think this will help people understand something that's very important which is the difference between say working at ESPN for people like me not for everybody but for people like me but the difference between working at ESPN versus say like what I did for HBO so I work for ESPN I get a contract contract runs a period of time And I am, in effect, a 9-to-5 employee. Like, for the last year of me doing the podcast, I've actually been a part-time employee because all I did was a podcast. But I'm a 9-to-5 employee, basically. Okay? When I did the stuff I did for HBO, it doesn't work like that. You sign a contract for a show... And the show, the contract is done by seasons of the show. And like the deal I had had options in it. So they got to make a decision after every season whether or not they wanted to pick up the next option until the end of the term of the contract, at which point we revisit it and we go, you know, we go about it again. Um but in a way that nobody would really notice, and I would understand that, at least in my mind or the way I looked at all this stuff, I was moving away. From the nine to five portion of this business and trying to get more into the project portion of this business. Maybe that project features me on camera and all likelihood that project does not feature me on camera, but it's about the project. Not about, yo, I got to go find me a job because I don't need to find a job and the kinds of jobs that you probably are thinking about in all likelihood of things that I don't really want to do at this point. And so the whole industry is upside down for a number of reasons and... Under a slightly different set of circumstances, I could like be legit petrified about what's going to happen to me as a person in the future of this industry. I'm fortunate enough that I've been doing this for a while and been able to give myself a measure of security to where I don't have to worry about it um, in that way. But like how things are going for me is actually fantastic. Like. I'm coming up with ideas and I'm working on stuff and I'm trying to think about executing things that are the next level of challenge. And for me, that is a huge and giant win. Like, I think if you see any of the interviews that I did leading up on gang theory, and I, I think I talked about this in some of them, but doing gang theory for me was extra dope because it tapped into a creative portion of me that I really hadn't had to put to use in that way in a very long time. You know, like the come up with stuff gene, like my Morning Jones people know the kinds of stuff that I used to come up with, but the jobs that I had after that didn't require that I do that. And then that muscle kind of gets weak because you don't do it. And then you worry, do I still have this muscle? Can I get it done? And then we did game theory and it's like, oh, okay, cool. I can get it done. And then after I do that, I meet a lot more people. And now there's more people talking about more things and different stuff that we can pull off and different things that we can figure out. And so this portion of the game involves like a lot of phone calls and meeting people and like, hey, we're in this business. Hey, you got any ideas? Hey, you're thinking about this? Hey, you're thinking about that? And you try to match up with different people and find the right stuff and, you know, and all these things. But it looks different to people on the outside. People on the outside, it looks like you ain't got no job. And I understand that and I get it, but... I'm not in the place right now in my career where I'm out here like, man, I hope somebody will put me on a TV show. I do a lot of other stuff. You know, I did the like consistently on television. And the truth is, I haven't consistently been on television in over two years. Like, I did Game Theory, but other than that, I haven't been on television for ESPN like that in two years. Like, I'm, I'm, I, and it's not like, it's like, ooh, I missed that so much. You know, I enjoyed it while I was doing it, but I haven't been. I haven't been actively seeking or desiring or wanting that kind of work in a while. Um so, I'm not in a bad place right now. I'm in a good place for me personally like in the way that you're asking the question how it's going for me. I'm not sure I have like a clear answer that'll get into the direction that you're talking about. But for me personally, this is like legitimately a very exciting time and I know that like That sounds a lot like the athlete talking about, I'm in the best shape of my life. And who knows? I may be that person talking that noise right now. You know what I mean? Like, I could be that person. However, I'm looking at everything like this is a real good chance. I have the right time. The right time goes with me. You know, So I'm not walking away empty-handed or anything like that. I actually feel like I'm in a very advantageous position for whatever it is that comes. And we'll tell you about some of the stuff when the stuff comes around. Some stuff I'm working on is entirely possible you may never see because that's how things work um, at this portion of the game. But I've always been prepared for this industry to collapse upon itself. Or even if it did not collapse upon itself, to collapse on me. I'm always ready for that. But for me, you know... Um, and those of you who go back with me know this. I'm always ready to try something else and always ready to make a move onto something else. Some things work better than others. Um, but you just keep going, you come up and you look for new stuff, you know? But I'm good. I promise you I'm good. And this is the way that you can know that I'm good. I don't even know if my man Rick gonna be listening to this but my man Rick this is one of our all time like favorite stories together he didn't know me very well he started listening to the uh, three hour lunch break in Raleigh back in 08 and 09 and this is when the station got sold and they didn't keep me and he called me you know he was wanting to make sure I was doing okay I'm just losing my job and he talked to me and we talked for a little while and it was maybe five ten minutes in the conversation and I'll just never forget he says to me you're really okay with this. And I'm like, yeah. At that time, I was making $39,000 a year. at had a mortgage that I needed to pay. And I did not have any money. And I was going to be okay. That was then. Ain't no worrying about me now, at least not for me, you know? Like... I think this is something I said about when I flunked out of grad school. And this is something that was very important then and remains important now. And I could live with the fact that I flunked out of grad school because I left with the respect of my peers. And I don't know the last time I did something where I did not earn the respect of my peers. And if you do that, you don't you got to do, it, man. Little game for you. I ain't even gonna charge. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on The Evening Jones. My man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Uh, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Honestly, I've already forgotten what I used to say at the end of The Evening Jones. I don't feel like it matters that much. Thank you for joining us. Take it easy. The Evening Jones is an Old Soul production. Creative direction and design is provided by Kareem Gilliam for My's Creative Design.